This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Never Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are Natalie, Kevin and James to go over Burnley's 1-0 win at Preston North End that sent us back to the top of the Championship and stayed there due to Middlesbrough slipping up at home to Ipswich Town on Saturday with a 0-0 draw. All three teams at the top of the Championship all tied on 87 points now. It's definitely squeaky bum time. But first we'll talk about the game at Deepdale. 1-0 win for Burnley thanks to Joey Barton's deflected free kick early on. And James, although the goal had an element of luck about it, I don't think there was any doubt that, that Burnley deserved the three points from the game. No, definitely not. I thought we were the better team, you know, for the vast majority of the game. But I think, you know, it's worth adding again. We kind of did it the hard way, didn't we, by not finishing some of the other chances we had. And it, it got a little bit nervy at times. I think Preston didn't look a very good side. But they were one of those teams where they maybe get a lucky bounce in the box and obviously Beckford's a, a half-decent striker and you, you didn't really want the ball getting near him too often and uh, I think obviously late on that free kick, particularly as Marnie was having to receive treatment, uh, I think the Burnley end was a little bit nervous that we could could slip up there and you know uh, regret maybe not having uh, maybe a bit more luck when Gray hit the post because obviously it very nearly went off Kirkland as well. And obviously, Boyd hitting the bar. Um, so, I mean, one day maybe we'll get a bit of the luck go our way, particularly since I thought one of the biggest things to take away from the game was how absolutely diabolical the referee was. Um, Andre Gray got absolutely nothing all evening. Um, and, uh, and I think, obviously, the defence took full advantage of being uh, being allowed to do whatever they wanted to. Yeah, obviously, we had a bit of luck for the goal, so I don't know whether we can complain about not having more luck for... Shots hitting post. Um, Kevin, Preston weren't really up to much, but it's still important to close games out at this stage of the season. And again, players like Joey Barton, absolutely crucial in doing that and getting interceptions in and keeping Burnley ticking over in midfield when we weren't at our best in the second half when we played quite well in the first half. Yeah, I think it was probably a combination of... um... Preston changing changing their shape and their, their approach a little bit um, after the first half hour or so when we run right really and we could we could and perhaps should have been uh, two or three up um, by the half hour mark. Um, I think it was a it was a fantastic build up uh, performance from Burnley where we probably lacked a little bit of that that edge once we got it into the box. Um, but yeah, I, I, once. It's the thing about Burnley this season is as soon as we take the lead, you can be very confident that we're going to we're going to see it out. Um, 
And I think Sean Dyche said when he brought Joey Barton in that he brought him in because he knows how to win games. He knows how to see games out. And that's I think that's something what Joey Barton brings to the team um, re- really well. And that's what we did. As soon as we take the lead, you can be fairly confident that we're not going to give it up. Absolutely. I think the number of points that we've lost from, from being in front is, is very small over the course of the season. Players like Barton certainly have a, a, a big part to play in that. Um, Natalie, nearly 6,000 Burnley fans went to Deepdale. It was a bit of a claret armada going down the M65 to Preston for the night and a fantastic atmosphere in the away and one of those one of those big nights in the season that we'll look back on during the summer. Yeah, it definitely was, wasn't it? It was um, an absolutely amazing atmosphere and I think, I think it went a little bit quieter in the second half and I think that probably reflects the reality that we did only have a 1-0 lead and we really, really needed to um, try and kill the game off, which we we didn't manage to do. We had to sort of grind out a 1-0 win instead. Um, but certainly that, well, pre-game and that first 20 minutes was absolutely incredible. It was, you know, it was um, like tingling feelings down your arms and it was just like a real feeling of togetherness. And I think there was, I mentioned in last week's podcast about how I felt that it things had changed after the the Birmingham game where there was a, a shift and it felt a little bit like Barnsley away last promotion season. And it felt on Friday night that the fans and the players, it was just a continuation of that. From the minute the players came out onto the pitch, and of course, at Deepdale, they walked straight towards you. So when they came out of that du- uh, dugout, uh, sorry, out of the tunnel, they'll have just seen this massive bank of nearly six thousand Burnley fans, um, and we were, you know, we were really up for it. They were really up for it, and then, like you say, it was just one of those magnificent nights that you just love going to football for. I think while watching it on the TV, about ten minutes in, my husband had to check that we were actually away. Um, he thought we were, he thought we were home because of the, the how just all you could hear was the Burnley fans singing really loud throughout the, the first at least twenty minutes or so, like you say. Yeah, I keep coming back to how disappointing Preston were, but their fans didn't really seem up for it either, which is weird because you think the the bragging rights is is an important factor when their their season's basically over and they'd won our place and turned us over. Really, I think that's because half of the old men was Burnley fans as well. I, mean, I, I know <laughs> yeah. of one or two in there, um, Maybe it was. and uh, and uh, I heard that when we scored the uh, the odd person mysteriously stood up and then had to pretend that they were angry <laughs> oh really i had um a, a very close friend of mine is a is a preston fan and i had lunch with him yesterday and as much as i tried to sort of not rub it in his face i did ask him a couple of times and i did one of the things i queried was the really poor atmosphere from the home ends and actually when you take away the away crowd of very sort of like nearly just about eleven thousand fans for a local derby and he said that there'd actually been a conscious decision by a lot of PE fans to stay away from the game and they just didn't want anything to do with it they even though they had nothing to play for and there was a possibility they could have put a bit of a halt in our promotion challenge, they just didn't feel confident that it was going to be anything other than a Burnley win and they just did not want it rubbing in their faces. They didn't want any part of it and they didn't want to see it. So I think that probably didn't help with the atmosphere at home either. Those that had made the brave pilgrimage to come and watch it were just in a really bad mood. you think Preston fans would welcome the chance to go and watch proper football team for a change, but apparently not. I think that... that if that's true, that probably rubbed off on the Preston performance because there's not just a lack of quality from Preston, but I felt a real lack of fight. Players like Barton were really leading the charge and they didn't look like they had anyone who felt 
fancied going toe to toe with Barton and really giving him a bit of a game. So yeah, I think maybe that rubbed off on it. Um, but yeah, getting the three points I thought was massive. We talked last week about the psychological edge, being able to go first, getting top spot back, and that's that's obviously something that that rubbed off on on Middlesbrough James with them dropping points surprisingly at home to to Ipswich on Saturday with Mick McCarthy doing us a favour. Yeah, I think Ipswich are a, a difficult team for people to to play, and um, I think people assuming that Middlesbrough would win that one were you know were overlooking that fact. Obviously, we won't complain. They've done a massive favour for us, and hopefully, you know, if those two, uh, the, you know, the two teams up at the top with us can draw next week and, and we get a win, then I, I think we'll all be very happy because obviously that will guarantee us promotion at, at least, and we can go to to Charlton resting easy, knowing that you know we're at least up. Because uh, I think personally, at least. I'd love to. Well, I'd love to win the title. I think obviously just getting promoted, and for me, I'd feel very relaxed going into the final day if I know we were definitely up. It, it is possible actually at this stage that we could be promoted in the QPR game at Monday. Um, but yeah, we'll come on to some of the, the various permutations a bit later in the podcast. Um, Natalie, another thing to come out of the game was the excellent form again of George Boyd. Who, we talked about it a bit last week, but he really has turned it around and. Even the the Boyd haters must be starting to appreciate his performance again. He was excellent at Deepdale. You're absolutely right. He really, really was excellent. He's been he's been really class for me for the past three games now. But I think I'm going to go as far as to say that Friday night was his best performance this season for me. I thought he was outstanding, and I think he just pipped Barton for man of the match. To be honest, I would have given it to to him rather than to Joy. It was close, don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's it's a little frustrating, isn't it? And you know, not wanting to to overthink these things, but you, you do kind of look at it and think, God, you know, if you'd have pull, started pulling those performances out six months ago, we might not be having such a nervy ending to the season. You know, we might have retained that seven eight point lead that we had, and we, you know, we might have been already promoted by this point. But all right, Karanka. I think when we've got 87 points 87 points on the ball with two games to go it's a bit pointless going we're going to have 10 more points if George Boyd will play well promoted in February season. I'm t- I am turning into Grand Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin one tiny little negative to come out of the game was Dean Marnie limping off with what looked like a hamstring injury hopefully it's not going to rule him out the last two games but there is Dave Jones who can come in uh, but Marnie settled in really well considering he's been away for so long to come back in and immediately look like his old self when a lot of players who have these long periods out of the game you saw Sam Bolts took a while to get up to speed Ashley Barnes has been the same Dean just looks like the same old Dean Definitely, yeah. and he's got he's got two bookings in two games now, which it's is shows he's the same old Dean <laughs> Yeah, he's not changed a bit uh, but yeah, it was fantastic I think um, we were really we, I think the whole basis for our domination in the first half uh, at Preston was was our midfield, and he was he was at the heart of that. As as we know, he always he always likes to be. Um, he he could have had a goal. Obviously, we know Marnie's not. From, let's not say let's say he's not the most accurate shooter. Um, but that ball that did come to him was on his on his weaker foot, and he didn't have much time to think about it. But uh, you, you may be thinking that come to Barton, he could have scored it. Um, but that's that's nothing to do with him being out. That's just Dean Marnie. You can't shoot. Um, so it's fantastic to see him contributing to a really dominant uh, midfield performance. Hopefully he can come back and be okay. Um, he'll be disappointed after having quite a few niggles in the last 
um, 18 months or so he'll be hoping that it's it's nothing too serious um but let's 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 look at it it's, it's not too bad when you can um bring on some when you can bring somebody into the team who's been promoted from this league three times before is it so um more than happy to bring to bring um dave jones back in and also johnson barton has been in the midfield for most of the season and we've been in the top two so it's it's obviously not going to be too much for concern if jones comes in but yeah hopefully Dean Marnie will be okay. James, how do you think Marnie's done in the last couple of games since coming in? It's been such a long time since we've seen him, but he's, it looks like he's never been away. Yeah, I think it's it. Obviously, I didn't really have a doubt about how he plays an individual. I think it was more how him and Barton had worked together. Um, and while while I think it's worked well, we still haven't really put in that sort of dominant full team performance, yet, have we? I think. You know the closest we've seen to it is, you know, the games early in the season where where we did put four plus past a couple of teams. I think we saw it for spells there, but it, I just I just love to see at least you know at one of these two last games, those play the way we know sort of like a it'd be it'd be great when it to score another goal like um, the Wigan one last time we were promoted that sort of sealed promotion for us. Um, I just love to see one of those team goals that just shows that. We are, you know, a great football inside in this league, and uh, we can use it to deflect Borough fans' accusations that we're Route One. Obviously, despite the fact that they were more Route One than us. I think Brentford's probably the best example of of the best we've played this season, the first half at least. But then that's maybe a sign of yeah. us not being able to put ninety minutes together in the after half time. We're a bit up against it. Is that, or maybe the you know the second half against MK Dons though? It is worth obviously mentioning that MK, MK Dons in that game put on maybe the worst defensive display I've ever seen in professional football. So, um, yeah, there's been, there's been spells, haven't there, where I think for 30, 40 minutes we, we've looked like a, an absolutely class side who did just demolish anyone. And then there's been other games where uh, we have really just, you know, ground it out. But, you know, that's how Chelsea have won all their Premier League titles. So, um it's not the worst thing in the world, is it? So, just two games to go on. I keep you out at home on Monday before Charleston away on the last day. Charlton, who have already been relegated from the Championship, of course, keep you mid-table. Um, the other games next weekend, I'm not sure who Middlesbrough have got. Actually, I'll have to check that, but Brighton are at Derby. They've got Birmingham away, haven't they, there on Friday night. So, Burnley play last next weekend, which could put us down in third place, or it could leave us top if, if the other two teams... Um, drop points like Middlesbrough did on Saturday. The the game's really running out now, Natalie, and we said before about Burnley just needing to do their job, but do you think there, there will be any effect with, with us going last? I suppose it depends on on what happens in the other games before we play. Um, I don't know. You hear, don't you, the official party line out of the club is that we don't care what anybody else is doing, we just concentrate on ours and everything will be fine, but you're not telling me that they are not watching those results. They won't be listening to the games. They won't be looking at every possible permutation that there is of that of that term table. I I'm leaning towards thinking that being last is going to be in our benefit for this weekend, and I don't know why. Um, at least we know, like you say, what both of them have done. If they've both won, we know what we've got to do. If somebody's picked up points then you know we know that we potentially can have a promotion party at home in front of our home fans which will very much like you say feel like Wigan did the last promotion season um 
I don't. I, I, there's no. I guess academic theory behind it. I just. I just feel like it's going to be working our favour this weekend. I don't know why. Well, judging by the reverse psychology thing, Bromers, that now means they're both going to lose. We're going to come into it on Monday, and we're also going to lose to set it up to be just the final day. <laughs> no, it's fine. Reverse psychology is on a game by game basis. Do not fret. It's absolutely fine. Have you just turned? Have you turned it off for this weekend? No, no. It just for some reason it only works in a very specific. And it's it's Jamie asking me what the score is going to be, and I predict we're going to get beat, and it doesn't happen. I, I, I can't control it. What can I say? It's fit. I'm sure we'll come back to the reverse psychology later in the podcast. <sighs> anyway, next weekend's games, Kevin. A couple of sticky games for the promotion contenders. Birmingham away is not going to be easy. We only just won there recently, and Brighton against Derby. Okay, Derby have got their playoff place in the bag, but um, another tricky game. Derby will want some momentum and to try and get a home tie for the playoff. Their playoffs that they'll inevitably lose in. <laughs> two difficult games for for those two. You'd say that we've probably got the the easiest game next weekend. Definitely, yeah. I think um, the Preston game was was significantly our most challenging uh, from my perspective. Um, I, I, I've said if we if we won that, I'd be very confident, and, and we did win that. So um, that that's really encouraging. If Brighton were playing uh, Birmingham. I'd, I'd, I'd have I'd have no concerns that Brighton weren't going to win that. With Binnersbury, you never know. Who knows what what going on with them? Brighton um, Brighton have got a tricky end of the season now, haven't they? With uh, with Derby, who, like you say, are picking up form right at the, at the, at the, the right time. Um, and obviously, Middlesbrough's uh, going to be a very tough match as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully Derby can do us a favour. It'd be, it'd be fantastic if they both drop points uh, over the weekend. It's probably asking for a bit too much. Um, but looking at the, the fixtures remaining for all teams, you've got to make us favourites now. I think it, it's it's very difficult not to argue that Burnley are favourites for the title now. Um, we'll come back to the title race a bit later, but the next thing I want to talk about is the Danny Ings Tribunal, which, amazingly, I hope everyone's sitting down for this, it's actually going to happen this week on Tuesday, apparently. The Danny Ings Tribunal is finally going to take place only about 10 months after he actually signed for Liverpool, so it's about time they got it sorted out. Um, James, they keep telling us that the, the injury's not going to have any effect, and Mike Garlick was very bullish in saying it was going to be the biggest tribunal fee in the history of football. Um, what sort of fee would you be expecting, assuming we get as much detail as, as we hope to see when it is announced? Um, I, th- I think it's hard to to say really um, if I recall correctly I think the way the tribunal is meant to work is that you take into account what the uh, what the player would probably earn you know if he was part of a normal bidding process but also uh, the value to the team they're leaving which you know if you look at Danny Ings's last two seasons at Burnley gets us promoted with his goals and then gets us reasonably close to staying up with his goals so I'd say that you know is worth a significant amount um, as for it being a record I think the previous record was Junior Hoylett, wasn't it? And that was like six, seven. I think Hoylett was about five, I think. And Daniel Sturridge was, I think Sturridge was three point five, with yeah. add-ons for appearances and a sell-on fee that then made the Sturridge one bigger than Hoylett. I think. I think the Sturridge one has been about seven million. Yeah, so same record. It's not a huge amount, but I, I'd expect. Um, maybe eight 
with some sort of like international appearances add on. Yeah, I think that, that's that, fair. I think you know, make we, it eight nine. Burnley will argue that we lost Danny Ings and we went out and bought Andre Gray and had to pay six million rising to nine million for Andre Gray. So surely it's got to be in that sort of ballpark with with money for appearances. Obviously, he's, he's already got an England cap, hasn't he? So we should get I think, for that as well. As I, I think as I. I think is I don't think you will have any add-ons as far is it not it's not a transfer it's not a transfer fee is it it's a training compensation it is but the, so story, it, the story yeah but definitely it, had payments for so is it, is it not they? supposed to be it's nothing to do with his market value it's supposed to be how the compensation for us us training him and how we've improved his game no it's got everything to do with market value uh, the the I think the the basis that they are meant to put on like I said is that you look at what that player was worth to the team they were at, so which is basically how the transfer market works, ish, isn't it? There's you obviously know, you a lot to... of different facts. I think Burnley were talking about fifty-page document or something, so there's, there's going to be numerous arguments involved. I think Liverpool wanted to pay something like four million, didn't they? And we were claiming that Spurs had offered twelve. Was it last summer? So you think it's going to lie somewhere in the middle and. Hopefully they'll take him into account what what Spurs reportedly offered for him. That that is also something obviously because he was there. There's um, you know because there was the offer from Tottenham that does improve um, our case for saying it should be higher because obviously someone else has rated it as higher. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting one. Uh, Dave Baldwin said that. The, it is about training compensation, so that's obviously one of the factors they're taking into account as well. Um, Natalie, I suppose it'll just be a relief to, to have it done, but maybe we wouldn't have wanted it doing before January when everyone would then have known how rich we are and wanted loads of money for the players that we were trying to buy, but it's certainly something that should have been sorted out by now. It seems ridiculous that uh, it's taken until the middle of April to get it sorted out. Bloody lawyers delaying the process, I'd imagine. <laughs> Okay, fine. <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. I'd quite like to make this very clear right now, just before anybody starts throwing any mud at me. <laughs> In case anyone um, doesn't know, Natalie's a lawyer. That's why I just yeah. had, a, had a bit of a deal with lawyers. I'm going to get trolled now. I'm going to add it to the list of stuff that people are going to chuck at me as well. Um, I think you're right in what you're saying in that there are um, there are some benefits to this taking as long as it has. And like you say, we've certainly been able to do a little bit of, of market business in the transfer windows. Um I think the biggest thing for me is that we're just really lucky that we did get promotion when we did. And actually, we've not needed and we've not been relying on as a business the money for Danny Ings. This would have been a much more stressful situation and much more difficult to deal with in terms of the delays if we hadn't have posted the profits that we did. We hadn't have got promoted. And, you know, if we'd have stayed in the championship and lost um, Danny and had to wait this long for the compensation package, that could have had a significant effect on us um, financially as a business. So I think that for me is the biggest downside to to the delay but you know it it's going to be over this week we've managed to cement ourselves quite comfortably financially um we've managed to go through a couple of transfer windows where like you say other clubs haven't known exactly how much money we've got so there's pros and cons to both of them it'll just be a relief like you say to finally get it finished what what sort of fee would you be expecting then obviously um, it's, actually, it's all guesswork for my part of you because we don't yeah know of course. Going to put forward 
I completely agree with with the eight million figure that you just came now. That that kind of feels like a natural middle ground, doesn't it, to what we want and what Spurs offered and what um, you know Liverpool want to pay. I'd be absolutely amazed. And, and quite frankly, if we get if we get did get paid something like four or five million for him, I think it just it would just make a complete mockery of the transfer market when you've got players like McCormack going for what was he eleven, um, you know, and like you say, we had to go out and spend six to to nine million on Andre Gray to get Danny Ingsford for just um, you know four or five million just seems ridiculous when he's actually you know, most people in sorry in most people's eyes he's a better player um the only thing that i guess is preying on my mind a little bit but i'm i'm sure this is quite um, a very bespoke scenario and i don't think this will be taken too much into account but it certainly doesn't help our cause when you've got players the like of charlie austin going for i think southampton paid what three million for him um you know three, so it's million, just yeah, it yeah it wasn't so it's just a stark reminder that it's not all you know home and dry and we can expect a massive compensation fee of around eight million for him there are things out there that you know may give us a bit of a shock but i, I think you're right i think eight million is a really good figure i think that's what i would guess at next up for burnley then is qpr at home on monday as mentioned earlier we'll be playing after middlesbrough and brighton so we'll know what we have to do and potentially have a chance to seal promotion if brighton and borough both lose that would mean a win would be enough for us because then they couldn't both catch us up on the last week of the season because they are playing each other, as I'm sure everyone remembers already. Um, James, teams in, in mid-table at the end of the season, they can go one two ways. Sometimes they play without freedom or sometimes they just pack up and they show almost nothing like Preston. So I suppose it's hard to, to say what we're going to see from QPR, but a mid-table team at home, if we're going to get promoted, these are the sorts of games that we have to win. It's that simple, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think you're right. If you look at their recent form, it is maybe the definition of an absolute mixed bag. They've beaten a few teams that, you know, look like, you know, decent sides, but then they've also obviously had like what happened last week and been absolutely mullered by uh, Brighton. So I think it, you know, it's one of those ones that any team could turn up to face Burnley, really. But, um, you know, all we can do is take care of. Uh, the way we play, and hopefully make it a very comfortable game. I'd, I'd like to think it'll be comfortable. Tickets selling well already, apparently, restricted in a number of areas around the ground, so if you are coming in and over whether to go to the QPR game, I would not hang around because you may not get a ticket. <laughs> you, you would definitely hope so, though, because, I mean, if the other teams have, have lost, what an atmosphere it would be. Uh, oh, know, yeah, if we the timing is a little bit awkward because uh, some of the transport options aren't great on a bank holiday Monday getting out of Burnley, but yeah. No, and it is it is very late on a bank holiday as well. It's a very old kick up. Four forty five on a bank holiday Monday, whose idea was that? Um Kevin QPR at home then it's, it's they're all banana skins I suppose at this stage of the season, but Burnley should have way too much for a team like that. We've done quite well against the mid table sides for most of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, I think the Preston game was was the tricky one, and if we if we could beat that, if we could beat uh, beat them, which we did, uh, I'd be very comfortable, which I am. Um, and I think particularly particularly being at home is going to be a, a, a huge bonus. We know how how fantastic the atmosphere was against Middlesbrough, um, and hopefully we can. Now we're getting so close to the end of the season. Hopefully we can have a similar similar atmosphere um, against QPR. I think particularly if we score a relatively early early goal, the place the place will, will should, should erupt. Uh, it should be a fantastic atmosphere. And I think 
I think against against Middlesbrough we showed that even when we went behind, um, we didn't get we didn't get too money and groany. We still stuck behind the team, which has perhaps been uh, a bit of a criticism of the fans uh, on a couple of occasions this season, which Sean Dyche has raised. Um, so hopefully, even if we do go behind or things aren't going our way, hopefully the fans, as we're getting so close to the end of the season, hopefully fans will really still stick behind the team. And I think. Yeah, I think I think we we I think we'd I'd be quite comfortable going to that match anyway. But particularly being at home, um, I, I, I'm very confident, which means we're probably going to get beat six <laughs> 0 Kevin's reverse psychology. <laughs> Before we come on to to Natalie's thoughts for this game and her reverse psychology method, no doubt. We'd better do tweet of the week before we forget to do it. So over to Natalie for tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Indeed. Now, this week's Tweet of the Week is from the Preston game, and it's from Burnley Michael. Now, Michael sent a tweet in reaction to some more of Deitch's famous management talk that we do love and we do sometimes take the mickey out of a little bit here. I've totally missed this altogether because I don't even read his comments anymore because I never make any sense. (laughs) Well, he used the term automaticity. I don't even know if that's pronounced right. Auto- I can't think of any other way. Automaticity. What that means, like I have no idea. I think he was trying to say that... I think he was just try- basically saying that they're going to autopilot. Why he didn't just use that, I don't know. But I think he was trying to make the point about how he's drilled the tactics and the play into his players that much that they just do it automatically. So he, he came up with this new word of automaticity. So Michael sent a great tweet. Now, when I read this tweet out, I want you to be thinking of the tune to the Guns N' Roses Paradise City song because that's what it's aimed at. I am not going to try and sing it to that song because it will be shameful we have but basically, to, get I, to sing it but she's refused Fuck. yeah i did i did practice it's really quite bad even if i try it'll just be terrible it'll be comedy gold but i'll save that for another day um, so michael says take me down to the automaticity you see it doesn't work straight away because of the rhyming but never mind so take me down to the automaticity where the jaws are strong and the goals are pretty I thought that was absolutely hilarious and a big kudos to Michael for Tweet of the Week this week. Uh, hopefully some more Guns and Roses tweets coming in in the next couple of weeks and we'll make that regular feature on the podcast. Um, QPR at home, Natalie, should be three points for Burnley on paper, but end of the season nerves might be in effect. Sort of game that you could slip up on Middlesbrough drop points against Ipswich last week. Was a fairly similar team. What are your thoughts for this one? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. Um, when you look to the remaining four fixtures, when we had Middlesbrough, Preston, QPR and Charlton, you certainly looked at getting through the Middlesbrough and Preston game as the two really key games and the ones that we were worried about more than anything. And it almost felt like we were home and dry by the time it got to the QPR and Charlton games. We saw this weekend um, that, like you say, Birmingham was a very tricky game. They had nothing to play for. Borough have dropped points against Ipswich. Um, you know, Brighton have got to go and play Derby. It, it, nothing is guaranteed in this division. And I, I guess what 
preys on my mind a little bit is that we aren't thumping teams. We are winning by 1-0. And Jamie, as you rightly said at the, at the beginning of this podcast, once we go ahead, you do feel relatively confident that you're not going to lose because, we, you know, we do defend so well. But all it takes is one, one you know, fluky goal. When Preston got that free kick in the, what, 90th minute or something, my heart was in my mouth thinking, no, come on, just don't do it. And QPR and, you know, they've not, you know, they've not performed as well as they would have liked this season. And they're obviously going through a transitional period, but they're not a terrible side. They're nowhere near relegation. And, you know, they will come up and, and try and give some form of a performance. Um there's the added, in, obviously, um, feisty bit with Barton being back as well. So what works in our favour with QPR is that QPR always strike me as a team full of... Well, they're not a team, are they? They're full of individuals who yeah, are quite getting quite flaky. Picked. A team of mercenaries. Yeah, exactly. certainly always used to be. I don't know if, if they managed to change that this season. No, I think they're getting better because they are starting to, to go through um, a change and trying to rebuild, aren't they? But they certainly don't strike me as a group of players who will come and have um, a, a significant amount of self-pride or, you know, really care about getting one over on, on Joey or anything like that. So that's very much working in our favour. It does look on paper, doesn't it, like we're going to get the job done. But I think there is a message there just to not be complacent. We saw at the weekend. And to be honest... Middlesbrough dropping points against Dips, which may very well do as a massive favour because I think that's a great um, tool for Dyke to use to his players to say, look how easy this can happen. So do not, you know, let anything distract you from the job in hand. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it could go either way. I think depending on what happens in the other games could really affect the mood around Turf Moor. If one of the other teams has dropped points and we know that a win pretty much gets us there. I think that could really contribute to a party atmosphere and an early goal, and it could all spiral from there and hopefully be a really good good day and a good occasion rather than being quite nervous and fraught as, as it's got possibility to be. Um, kick us off with the predictions then, Natalie. Have you got a bad feeling about this one? Of course I have. It wouldn't be enough podcast <laughs> if I had a She says in a sing song voice, I've got a bad feeling about this one. I've got a terrible feeling. Um, actually, it's a justified terrible, terrible feeling this week. We've just talked about how this is another potential difficult game. Um, it's one of those where if you can't, I can't see us. I can't see us not trying our best. And I think, you know, our heads will still be on it. But if we just stumble and don't manage to, to get the ball in the back of the net and, and, you know, QPR managed to hit us on the break and score, um, you could easily look at being 1-0 down and then you're struggling to get one back. So I'm, I'm, I'm concerned and I'm going to go with a horrible, soul-destroying 1-0 loss. Ah, oh, well, at least it's only going to be 1-0, so the goal difference doesn't set that much of a hit then. <laughs> Kevin, predictions from you? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively confident. Obviously, it's like you said, it's the the Middlesbrough result has always shown that you know we've our slip ups to be had. Um, but I think we are, I think we're we're, we're strong enough, particularly at home. Um, I'm going to go. Hopefully, we'll score more than one goal this time. I'm going to go for a, a two nil win. Hopefully, we'll score a goal that wasn't a massive fluke. That'd be quite nice. Um, James, last word goes to you this week. Then give us a prediction. Yeah, if you if you take Negley's score, uh, times it by six, and do it the other way around, I'm going to go for six nil to Burnley. So bring your inflatables to be a party at Turf Moor. <laughs> Live maths on the non never podcast. Andre Gray hat trick. Yeah, two of them. <laughs> Just the two Andre Gray hat tricks. 
Great stuff. Well, that's about it for this week's podcast. Please do get in touch if you've got any feedback or questions or anything for me or the panel. Email address is podcast at net. You can also tweet us at net. And Natalie will be keeping an eye out for tweets for Tweet of the Week as well. But that's it for this week. Hopefully next week we'll have a promotion to talk about. But if not, we'll be previewing Charlton in some detail. Obviously there's some concern over possible protests there. So we'll go over that in next week's podcast. But that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Chores are strong and the goals are pretty Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home The same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply See mcdonalds.com Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.